Welcome to a new transformative episode that delves into the depths of personal growth and redemption. I'm your host, Pat McCullough, and today we are joined by Bart Nolenberger, whose journey from addiction to purpose is nothing short of extraordinary. He is an author, leadership coach, and public speaker who has studied under experts such as Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, and Les Brown. In this raw, candid conversation, we explore the profound impact of Bart's upbringing, his battles with addiction, and the pivotal moments that led to his path of sobriety. Prepare to be moved as we jump into this episode. Listen now. Bart Nolenberger, thank you so much for being on the No Gray Areas podcast. We're going to jump right into it. So I just got done listing uh, your accomplishments, and there's a lot of them, by the way. But my personal opinion is that, that maybe one of your biggest accomplishments or some of your biggest accomplishments were overcoming some of the, the difficulties in life, yeah. some of them that were done maybe by your own choosing, some of them that were done to you. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because this podcast, as you know, is built around the power and complexity of human choice, that, that we make our choices and eventually our choices make us. And so yeah. your life and actually your coaching, as we're going to get into and all the things that you do, is really about helping people make choices, good choices. Yes, it is. But you've had to overcome some things. Yeah. All to my own. <laughs> I, I did them all. Yeah. And it was the way I looked at them. For yeah. example, I grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood in Toledo, Ohio. My dad was a car dealer. My mama was a model. Yeah. I had, when I would turn 16, I had a new car. And I wrecked six of those babies in high school. You Nobody, wrecked six cars in high school? Six cars. <laughs> I, was, I was a bad driver. Yeah. And, and nobody, it's, if you got it at 16, you're saying two of the four years in high school, yeah, you wrecked exactly, six cars. Exactly. Okay. And it wasn't that a deer jumped out in front of me yeah. or that the car had bad brakes. I was yeah. just stupid. Yeah. And I look at back when I was really young, I wanted to be somebody else. That was the thing. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, my mom was a codependent. And I when the first 10 years were amazing. But then that 11, 12, yeah, 13, yeah. I started looking at our family and it was my dad's behavior was dysfunctional. His buddies were drunk. And I thought, well, that's cool. And I also saw people around me that I wanted to be like, and I didn't want to be me. So that started wow. this journey. And nobody how, did it How old to were me. you when you, when you think, I mean, it was probably subconsciously that you were thinking that, but how old do you think you were when you started thinking, I want to be someone else? Probably 11 or 12. Right okay. after that, the first 10 years, I was fun. I was joyful. People laughed at me and yeah. all that. And then 11, 12, 13, I, you know, we changed physically yeah. and I changed mentally. Yeah. I started thinking, oh no, I want to be a great basketball player. I sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can say that here, but yeah, absolutely you can. Yeah. And, and I wanted to be this or that and I wasn't. Yeah. And that first time that I drank, again, my choice. That's probably true of a lot of people, don't you think? You know that what? There's a lot of people you? that, yeah. Yeah. Especially those ages. Well, especially now. And you're not going to admit it. Like, you're never <laughs> going to go say that to someone. And maybe you don't even consciously know. Right. So then, so you, first time you drank. Yeah. And I want to say, add on to what you just said. Think about how much you and I, not maybe you, but definitely I, compare ourselves to other people. Oh. And that's, for me, started at that time. Yeah. I, One of the most detrimental things that we do as human beings, isn't it? Isn't it, though? I think so. And I do. with that comes shame. Yeah. I'm not enough. Yes. I yes. don't measure up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. So you're dealing with that as yeah. a lot of us do at yeah. that age, but then you're yeah. also in a, in a fairly dysfunctional home. Yeah. My dad would, I later found out what he ran a dealership. He'd leave at noon, go party with his buddies till four, come home at four, take a nap for two hours and start drinking again. And of course it wow. progressed over the years. Yeah. I didn't realize how bad it was. But what I do know is that I wanted my dad's attention young and I never got it. My grandfather was great at taking my brother and I out to ball games and fishing. My dad was non-responsive to yeah. any of that. My dad never said, I love you. And look, I've interviewed people in my podcast where people grew up by themselves where their parents were literally not there. Yeah. Yeah. So my deal is not that big a deal, yeah. but I made a bigger deal of it. And yeah. I wanted attention. And I realized, man, I can be like my dad. I'm going to start, even though it was self-consciously at that point, I'm going to start drinking to get his attention. Yeah. And that first time I tapped into it, I thought, oh, this is cool. Tasted awful. And then I did it a couple of times. And then the, the breaking point was, I think I was 13. I poured a full goblet of whiskey and a full goblet of rum. And I jugged both of them. And I at walked, 13? At 13. And I walked down to the what was called the Beehive, where I grew up in Parisburg, Ohio, is where all the young people got yeah. together. Dude, by the time I got down there, I wasn't walking, you, right? You <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> it was hitting you. But what I remember was, that I don't remember anything, but I do remember that everybody laughed at me. And I thought they were laughing with me. And I do remember everybody was giving me attention. And I thought, oh, this is great. That's what you were craving. And I do remember that I could tell them that I played basketball at another school or I swam on a, at an elite level at another swim club and nobody would know the difference. Of course they knew the difference, yeah. but that was the delusion that I started living in. So I lived in fantasy in so many ways in that area that from 10 to 20 and fantasy carried on beyond that. But did you, did you, I'm curious at that time, your dad's drinking. Did you, did you know he was drinking? Like it, was it evident to you? Yeah. Did yeah. you hate that about him? I, cause oh, I think a lot of times we become what we hate, right? We're like, yeah. I'll never be like my yeah. dad, but then we start doing what makes us like our dad. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because again, what did I want? I wanted him to say, Hey, I love you. Hey, let's go to a ball game. That's what I wanted. Yeah. My mama was, my mom died at 97. Wow. I brought her to Christ a week before she died. Really? Yes. Cool really? story. Yeah. And and she was at every one of my swim meets. She was always there. But my mom was kind of the Joan Crawford. If you remember that movie yeah. years ago with Joan, No Wire Hangers. Yeah. Everything had to be perfume on the pig. Everything had to be in its place. Yeah. And she was an incredible enabler. And she. Which is her, why she stayed with your dad. And yes. Put up with all that. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She found her own self in her early 60s. But it, she had, she was in the shadow yeah. of that for a long time. Yeah. Even though she was an entrepreneur, she was a model, so she had perfume on her pig too, right? Uh -huh. She had that that mask on. Yeah, everything was great in our household, never a problem. Yeah, yeah. And when we had probably fifty mirrors in our house, really? and it was how you looked. It wasn't what was going on on the yeah. inside. So you were you were kind of learning this whole idea, like what you started doing at thirteen then like living in a fantasy world yeah. or as you said, putting perfume on a pig right? yep. or the, you, you it almost kind of came natural for you in a, in a way. Yeah. What was modeled to you? Yes. And you know, a few years ago <laughs> came to the realization I was narcissistic and, and I hate the word and I hate the title. And I hate the label, but that was really who I was. And I, 
every time I see behavior now that's all about me and not all about we, then I realize, oh, that's a little bit of that creeping in. But we lived in a definite, definite narcissistic household. Yeah. And you're saying a few years ago that 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 yeah, came everything's right? progress. Right? I know. Well, that's what I was just going to say, Bart. I think that's such an important thing. Like none of us are going to arrive in this no. life, right? Like you, as, as people continue to hear your story, they're going to find out that you, <clears throat> you overcame a lot of things. Yes. Yes. But then you're mentioning well, a couple years ago, this came to, and yes. it's the same thing with me right now. I turned 52 here in about two weeks and I feel like it, like Jesus school never ends, right? Yes. Like we're never going to graduate from that one yeah. or, or getting us to where we could or yeah. potential is just yeah. not going to arrive. So that's yeah. interesting that you say that. Yeah. So, okay. So you're, you're starting some pretty addictive behaviors Absolutely. at a young age. Yeah, really was. And it was always about what I realized a few months ago. You talk about new mm -hmm. ideas and new thoughts that pop up. I got diagnosed officially as having ADD. I mean, you would think I'd known it all those decades, yeah. but it was official. And I had ADD as a young person too, but it's not the same ADD. My ADD was attention deficit disorder, yes, but it was I need attention. Look at me. Yeah. I want to be on stage. I want to be front and center. That was always what it was for me. Yeah. Not only couldn't I focus, but that was a subset. Yeah. It was, I want you to look at me. I need you, you to need notice. The applause. You need yeah. the affirmation. Oh, you need to be noticed. Yeah. And 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 the alcohol helped with that. You're saying like when you started right. drinking that, it helped. Okay. It, it did. It made me feel like I was somebody different than I was. Yeah. Later, I found other drugs, and every drug that I took made me feel different yeah. than who I wanted to be. I didn't want to be who I was because yeah. I didn't like me. Would you agree with this statement? You don't have to, but that a lot of times uh, a chemical addiction, there's another underlying addiction that yeah. we probably have. 100%. Yeah. So your underlying addiction was this desperate need for affirmation yes. and applause and being, but yeah. then all the other chemical things that yeah. came into your life yeah. were to try to get that. Yeah. And a lot of that came from wanting dad to notice yeah, you, right? exactly. And then later, it was getting attention from girls. I mean, that was that ended up being the addiction as well. But staying in that high school period, I, again, wrecked a lot of, a lot of cars. I was a mess. Uh, I went to college. I actually swam in high school, but I didn't get a scholarship. I went to college and tried out for the swimming team at Ohio University, and I made the team, but my grades weren't good enough, so I didn't get to swim. And I spent that year at Ohio University drinking and just being a nightmare. So it was just partying. Yes. Party, yeah. I went to college, or I went to Florida after that, lifeguard on the beach. And that was obviously an experience. Yeah. But the whole time I was drunk most of the time, or high, or numb. Yeah. I remember one. So you're, you're 19 years old. Yeah. And you have some serious addictions going exactly. on. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Had, had anybody at this point confronted you on it yet? Is anybody saying like uh -uh. Bart, you got, or is everybody's yeah. enabling you? Yeah. 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 They were just typically at that age, you don't have a lot of people helping you, a lot of enablers. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I didn't even know what AA was or any of the, yeah. the A's. All I knew was this is how I could cope, how I lived life. And I, again, why did I do it? What was the root? I wanted attention. I wanted to be somebody different than I was. Um, when did you get that? When did you realize that? Like, I don't think you were realizing that at that moment, yes. right? You weren't, were you, were you in your thirties, forties? When do no. you think you, I realized that when I was really young, I wanted to be different. I pretended that I was somebody different. And I, I, 
Loved basketball in high school, yeah. but I never made the team. I tried out in the seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, and eleventh grade. Went to a lot of basketball camps, practiced yeah. all the time, but I never made the team. And that was an identity for me. So I would pretend I was Greg Weber, who lived in the town over. I mean, yeah. I just didn't like who I was yeah. looking in the mirror or who I was when I was by myself. It was always somebody else. I dreamed I was Pete Maravich. I mean, I always lived in this. Yeah, if there's a younger listener, they may not know that name, but that <laughs> you and I both know one of the greatest basketball players oh, yeah. of all time. I think you could argue no one played college basketball at no the way. level that he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go so you would, you would, yeah, yeah, you you dreamed of being a Pete Maravich. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't nowhere close. But yeah. I would tell people if I wasn't with them, I was. Yeah. Right. And the funny part about all of this is, again, my dad was a car dealer. Every time I wrecked a car, I got another one. Nobody really held me accountable. They, they were, and my mom, again, loving, but never taught me how to be an adult. Mm. Not her fault. That was on me, mm. right? Mm. Um, my dad never said, I love you. Never taught me how to be an adult because they never held me accountable. Mm. So I moved to Florida and they got me a van when I moved to Florida. Talk about enabling, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And when I hear people growing up in the streets or the ghetto, I so respect that because that's not where I grew up. It was upper middle class, had every advantage that any human being could have. Really, I did. We had boats. We traveled all the time. He had houses in Florida. Spoiled, rich kid. That's what I was. Yeah. And I had this van that my parents had got me for Christmas. I mean, it's so embarrassing. Had red shag carpet. Had Budweiser beanbag chair. I mean, this was a This is not what you needed at that time. And I remember that I was partying with my roommate and he and I got in a fight. The next morning, the van was gone. He had stolen it. And I called home to mommy and daddy. Now, at this time, I'm 21, right? Come on. Mm -hmm. And I called home and I said, my van got stolen. What do you think they said? We're going to bring another one. I swear. So the enabling is going on. Yeah, yeah. And then two days later, they got a credit card bill. And there was, it was the credit card that they'd given me for my trip. Use it if you need to. I put $10,000 on that credit card and they said, we're not bringing you in the van. I had to live in Florida by myself for two months without a van. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough life. That was, (laughs) I mean, that was a reality check for you. It's about time. Yeah. Right. Now I had reality checks by not making teams, but finally I learned a little bit about what it means to be an adult. Mm. And that behavior happened till I was, till I had a daughter. All right. She was born in 1984. Name is Tiffany. I was 27 when she was born and I loved her. And of course, I mean, we have a kid. I remember holding her and in the picture, I looked awful. I weighed 150 pounds doing five grand of cocaine a day. I mean, a month, a month, a month, just a mess doing every other drug but heroin. And I looked at myself in that picture. I remember back then, I thought, that is not good. It was probably one of the first times when I'd seen it from the outside. Yeah. And I knew I loved her, but I didn't know how to do any of that. Six months later, I ran to a friend of mine, Bobby Joe. And Bobby Joe was clean and sober. And leave it to me to look at my friend and say, man, you look good. That's just how I judge. Was he a guy everything. that you used to pay a party with? Yes. Okay. So you're seeing like this different. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I said, dude, what happened to you? You look great. And he said, I went to the Adrian Center, which was in Santa Cruz, California, where I lived at the time. And he said, I got sober. I said, oh, that's cool. I acted like I didn't care. Right. And then 
As soon as we were done talking, I called the Adrian Center, set up an appointment, sat down in front of Reba, who was the director of the program, and told her that I wanted to come in. And she said, great, just give me 30 days, 24-7. I said, I can't do that. I'm a finance manager at this point at a car dealership. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I'm too busy. She yeah. said, well, I can't help you. I walked out of there crying like a newborn mm. and then did nothing. Six months later, got fired from a job. Next morning, woke up in tears again, called that treatment center, and within two hours got that one bed they had left yeah. and checked in. And that was your first time to ever do anything with treatment? First time. And you're 20, you're 28? Eight, 28, 20, yeah. 19, uh, June 15th, 1985. Yeah. yeah. I was in there two weeks and my counselor came up to me and he said, Bart, you're narcissistic. You're not taking this seriously. All the things that were brought up to me many times. And he said, I don't think you're going to make it. I think you're going to fail. And I was so mad at him, Pat. I want to punch him in the nose. Yeah. And the next morning I'm in, in front of the mirror, getting ready to go talk to him again. And there's a something in my pocket. And I reached in, it was a gram of cocaine. And I'm in treatment. Right? You're in treatment with a gram of cocaine in your pocket. And I opened it and I looked at it and I flushed that baby down the toilet and oh, wow. said, take that, Gus. Yeah, that was yeah, a counselor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Two weeks later, I graduated. And today I have, by the grace of God, 13,894 days. It's probably not the exact number, but I've got over 38 years of sobriety one day at a time man, Bart, because of that. Yes. Congrats, man. Praise. Yeah. Praise. So yeah. that actually took an interesting twist for me because, <laughs> you know, I've known a lot of people with chemical addictions. I think we all have addictions, right? Yeah, Wouldn't, yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I, I had, there was someone that I knew who said to me once, they were talking about a, a person who was going back in for another treatment. Mm -hmm. And they said, I just don't understand how someone could be addicted to anything. And I didn't say this to them at the time, but if I could go back, I, I, I would go, what are you talking about? We all have some kind of addictions. It may not be a chemical addiction. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But most of the people that I know that have chemical addictions, some close friends, it, take, it, it took a couple of runs at the hill. Yeah. You're one, one, one you went to treatment? Yep, yep. That's an abnormal story, yeah. isn't it? Well, here's what I did. Hey, from your No Gray Areas team, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. And if you're loving this episode, would you just take a moment and leave us a review and rating on whatever platform you're listening from? If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on the new podcast episodes that drop every other Wednesday. By leaving a review and subscribing, you help others discover our podcast's inspirational messages to effectuate positive change in their lives. Okay, let's jump back in to this episode. Well, here's what I did. For one thing, I didn't know Jesus. My parents were Unitarians. All I knew is there's, I did get on my knees and pray to a God I didn't know. Yeah. And every morning I would, I followed the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. Whatever it said, I did. I got a sponsor, went to 90 meetings in 90 days. There's a third step prayer that goes like this. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power and thy love and thy way of life. Every morning, on my knees, every day, without really? fail. So you took this serious. I took it serious. And I did what it was told to do. Yeah. 
And I didn't know I was an alcoholic, you know, <laughs> but I knew I was a drug addict. Yeah. And once I was in that treatment center, I thought, oh, yeah, I did wreck six cars in high school. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did drink every day. Oh, yeah. Oh, my dad is an alcoholic. I get it. And I realized I didn't want to be that way anymore. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. And it was it was it was it was a transformation. But as many people do, I flipped. You you traded addictions? Yeah. 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 And um, I flipped the sexual integrity issues. I found porn when I was 14. I was on that path, but it wasn't the one that was front and center. But I had sexual integrity issues. Yeah. And I continued the same behavior until 10 years later. Actually, not true. It lasted longer than that. But 10 years later, Pat, I'm in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. 10 years sober from drugs and alcohol. But I was married at the time, not a good husband, not a good father. I was angry. I hated myself. I was a flirt. I was, a, again, back to narcissist. I, I was addicted to porn. Um, I was addicted to attention. And I happened to be driving down the street, and I looked into a parking lot. There was a lot of nice Mercedes in that parking lot. So I turned in, Santa Cruz Bible. I went in, and I heard this rock and roll, and I thought, man, these guys are good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I sat down in the back of the room and I heard Chip Ingram yeah. talk about Romans 12, 2. Don't be the same person. Yeah. Don't conform to the patterns yeah. of this yeah. world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. And dude, I had no idea what he was talking about, but I knew he was talking to me. Mm. And that started the path. That church had to celebrate recovery. I went to celebrate recovery. I told him about, I got a sponsor for my sexual integrity issues. And everything turned around like that. No, wow. it didn't. No, it didn't. So, so I have to correct myself. It did not. Yeah. It did not. Unfortunately, I'm saying this because I wish it had. I kept up the same behavior for a long, long time. But eventually. The sexual integrity yes. issues. But yeah. eventually, I got baptized. I was a hippie Christian probably for the first 10 years that I was a believer. I would say in church, praise Jesus and go cuss and do everything I used to do at a car dealership outside of there. I kept doing the same thing, going to massage parlors and looking at porn. And, but I knew I hated it. And I kept hating it more and more and more. And I wouldn't give up, Pat. I wouldn't give up. I kept showing up to celebrate recovery. I kept going to recovery meetings. I kept talking to men. And it started to take root. Yeah. So you were fighting. You oh. were a, a hypocristian, as you said. Yes. But you were you were also fighting during that time. There was some some battling going on. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 I, I've often said that the most miserable people on this planet are usually Jesus followers that aren't living right. Because mm -hmm. Romans 8, 9 says, as you know, we're, we're, we're people of faith, that, that once we've accepted Jesus, the spirit of God is in us. Yes. So when we're dabbling in things that we shouldn't be doing, yes. we're more miserable than the typical person yes. because we have the spirit of God in us and that yes. those don't sit right. Yes. And we deep, deep in our spirit, we know that, right? Yes. So you, that's what you were living yes. for quite, quite a few years. Yeah. Well, and because of that behavior, about five years after I went to that church, my, my wife at the time, uh, who mothered four of my kids, all four of my kids, yeah who I respect because of what a great mom she is. My yeah. kids adore her. Uh, but my behavior killed that relationship. Yeah. And it was a wake-up call, and yet I didn't learn right away. I had to keep doing the same behavior. But 
where I felt I really grew was when I sat in front of a therapist and I said, I want to stop this. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was in tears. I had these moments, right? Yeah. The moment of going to rehab, the moment of driving by the church. And this was another moment. And he was a therapist and he said to me, you need my intensive program. And what I would say to anybody is, if a therapist says you need an intensive program, you got to go. You get better need fast. an intensive program. <laughs> yeah. And it was his cabin in the woods. I lived in Gig Harbor, Washington at the time. It was a cabin in the woods. And it was, uh, he said, you're going to go off the grid for 30 days. All you're going to take is a Bible, pens, and paper. Wow. He said, you'll meet with me an hour a day during the week, and I'll, I'll give you some homework. And he said, then you're on your own on weekends. I, I love how your life has gone from a, a van by the ocean to a cabin in the mountains. <laughs> no, no, yeah. A lot in between there. Exactly. But so you're you're up there and kind of stripped away from from everything yes. but the woods and, yeah. and some writing utensils. Yes, and, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, I didn't really know Jesus. I dabbled. I said I would do it. And I took 30 days of food, put it in the refrigerator, and and... Uh, I walked in the cabin. The first time I saw the cabin, I thought, I've been lied to. This is not a cabin. It's a shack. <laughs> there, was, there was a hole in the floor wow. and a crack in the wall. Wow. And there was a little fireplace about 10 feet away with a rocking chair in front of it. A, a bathtub that was probably four feet big. And I'm 6'2", yeah, yeah, so it was yeah, a little yeah, tough. You're folded up in yeah. that thing. And there was a round kitchen table. And that's it. With the refrigerator. And huh. guess what? The first thing I did was sat in front of that fireplace and cried yeah that was happening a lot yeah. and then i started opening up the bible and i wrote about my relationships with the people that i had in the past my mom and and the struggles i had had with her at times and where i felt she was manipulative or she wasn't affectionate enough my dad who never gave me any attention my brother who was better looking and smarter and more successful and my relationships and i wrote about all of them and i talked to my therapist about all of them and after 30 days, I graduated from that cabin. It took me time, but the slow drip was starting to take over my soul. Mm. I'm not a, I'm, my mama used to always say to me, Bart, you're going to be a late bloomer, <laughs> which means you're not worth anything yet. But she would never say that. She yeah, was very yeah, loving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're going to be a late bloomer. And man, she was prophetic about yeah. that. That is so true. And I did. I started to get it. I started to be okay being single. I stopped doing the behavior I did before. And then I'm in church, Cornerstone Church, going to celebrate recovery, doing all I'm supposed to do, serving, and I met someone. And by that time, I'd had some, some singleness, and I met the woman of my dreams. Yeah. Mary. I did not deserve her. Yeah. God doesn't give us what we deserve. God gives us incredible grace. It's true. And I have had incredible grace. Yeah. How long have you been I there? I met this woman that is on staff at church, married to a doctor previous, had six kids. She was single, of course. So you have 10 kids between you. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's crazy. And she's, I met her and we talked and I thought, oh, she's amazing. And then we started to date a bit. And she was praying to God that if I wasn't the one that God would show her. And um, I still had a lot of cooking to do. I still had a lot of work to do. I still was not, I wasn't the man that she deserved to have. But for some reason, God kept this thing together. 
And the result was a year later, we got married on the beach in Carlsbad, California, Oceanside, actually. Yeah. In front of our friends. And Lynn Winters was the one that yeah. married us. Yeah. And um, I would say, it has it been perfect? No. Have I been stupid? Absolutely. But she has been there the whole time. Yeah. And I have, it's funny how I came from the brokenness to this place of peace now. I get my front yard, my backyard every morning, and I hang out with God. And I write down my values every day, and I get in the Word every day. And the other day I was thinking about this, Pat. I wanted to be Tony Robbins. Yeah. I wanted to be on stage, want everybody to notice me. Now my career is dealing with people one-on-one and teaching them leadership. Mm -hmm. I didn't like one-on-ones. I didn't want to get to know people that. Yeah. Now I'm a coach and yeah. I get to really find out what their soul is themselves. Isn't it interesting how you were just wired to want to help people, right? Oh like that was gosh. just something that, but the stage where there was something healthy and unhealthy about that, right? Cause you were talking, you're craving attention and everything. Yeah. And, but yet God has still put you in a place where you're getting to do things. I, I actually, by the way, think that almost anybody on a stage, if they're really honest, you know, I, I spend a lot of years yes, on stages too. Very good. Um, most of the time before I would walk out on the stage, I would say, uh, I would quote that John 3 passage, may you increase and may I decrease. Amen. And God forgive me for the part of me that I know is craving the attention. Because yes. yes. my drug of choice was is yours. So when you're telling me your story, I'm going, boy, that's took me a long time. It was in my 40s before I began to, began to understand that. Mm-hmm. But if I could draw a picture and have like, you know, me strung out, my head back, and a needle in my arm, mm. it would uh, it would say attention or applause. Mm. Desperately mm. needed that and craved mm. it. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, if someone doesn't know what's written on that needle, That's so good. They're, in da- they're, they're in danger, wouldn't you say? Because yes. we all, we all have something. Yeah. Part of your struggle in life was was God's grace revealing to you yes. some things that were very broken and helping yes. you heal. Yes. He's done the same for me. Man, I would really recommend to our audience, if you can't name what's written on that needle that's yeah. in your arm, you need to do a little bit of uh, yeah. exploring yeah. with God. Yeah. In 2013, I joined the John Maxwell team. I was I was doing sales training. I had my own business. I'd been in automotive for a long time. And the reason I got in automotive is because my dad was in automotive. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I will say it right here. I'm not shy of saying it. I hated automotive. Really? But I was following a dead man and wanted to get the dead man's approval. And that was my dad. And Bart, that is a deep statement what you just said. You're following a dead man trying to get a dead man's approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of us have done that? And now I get Jesus' approval. And I really deeply mean that. So what happened was I love the people in the industry. I still do it today. I teach leaders managers in that industry, how to be great leaders. But you know what happens? What's so fascinating, here's this guy who's been married before, had a bad, was it lousy in marriage, but today has a marriage that, I've, that I adore. As a matter of fact, if somebody asked me, what do you do for a living? I'd probably say, well, first of all, I'm a father and a husband. That's what I do first. And then I happen to do coaching. But what I find fascinating about helping managers be leaders, usually they're men, not always, but probably 90%, is that, and I have a three-week, three-month program I put them through based on John Maxwell's book, Developing the Leader. Yeah. And it's, it's so good, so rich. But they usually tell me, I do group and I also do one-on-one, 
most of them in the one-on-one will say, you know, I got to tell you, I'm a lot nicer to my wife now. I give my wife the attention she deserves. I don't crush her with my attitude now. So it's going way beyond just in the workplace. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's being obedient. Yeah. Yeah. That's listening to what God has to say. Yeah. When I, in 13, learned about Maxwell, I did, dabbled in it and tr- did sales training and threw his concepts in there. But I've just had a few things that have happened over the last 10 years that have changed everything. In 2014 at Cornerstone, I, I really wanted to help start a Celebrate Recovery. And if you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, 12-step program based on the principles, the higher power is Jesus Christ. Because and, we all have hurts, habits, and hangups. Amen. Right? Isn't 100%. That the, that's the corner, Everybody's yep. got life issues, yep, right? Yep. It's not just for addicts. Only 30% of the people in the program are addicts. Yep, yep. Although you and I know everybody's yep. an addict. Everybody's an addict. It's the first yes. page of what I'm going to tell you yeah. in a minute. But in that, they couldn't find the room to start that Celebrate Recovery. But God had put it in my heart to start it, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, I got pushed back, and they couldn't find the room physically to do it back then. So I moved on and, and still went to Celebrate Recovery and still had that in my heart to lead Celebrate Recovery. In 2015, too, I was at the Caleb Fan Awards, and I met a young man named Stephen Copeland. Stephen had written 14 books, done ghost writing and collaboration for a number of books, one for Michael Vick, one of them for um, a basketball coach who had cancer at North Carolina, a female basketball coach. He had one for Hendricks Race Crew, who talks about what it means to, to be a pit crew yeah, in NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. And I told him my story, and he said, that's a book. Now, here I am with this low self-esteem. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm not a slow study. My mama said I'm going to be a late bloomer. <laughs> Talk about self-fulfilling. A few years later, I said, Stephen, I'm ready. And Stephen and I collaborated on the book. And yeah. he's nowhere to be found on the book because he didn't want to be. He said, this yeah. is your book. But he took all my information and he showed me how to bring it together into yeah. a book. And that was 2016, 17, 18, 19. Finally, this year, 2023, we launched the book, Keep the Change. Yeah. And it wasn't me. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to be Tony Robbins. It was taking the 12 Steps of Recovery, founded by Bill and Bob in Akron, Ohio. and taking, Early 1900s, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And taking these steps and using them, telling my story about the 12 Steps. But what I realized is they're great personal development stories. Yeah. It's their great leadership stories. Step one, I admit. Step two, came to believe. Step three, made a decision. Step four, do an inventory. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I would have never thought to do this. It was God. It was a still small voice Mm -hmm. that turned into a shout to do this. So the book came out. Also, two years ago, Mary and I decided we wanted to try to celebrate recovery again at Cornerstone. And we got leaders together for a year, Pat, in our house on every Sunday. We cooked them dinner. We had 14 people in the room. We, I told Rick Linneman this story. Rick was a small church pastor yeah, at Cornerstone yeah. at the time. And he said, you should start a celebrate recovery at Cornerstone. And with Rick's help finding us a room, a year ago, we started Celebrate Recovery at Cornerstone. Yeah. Our anniversary is September 12th. I did my testimony on September 11th last year. Mary did her testimony September 12th this year. 
Now, Mary doesn't have Hertz habits and hangups, but Mary is in a very competitive field called commercial real estate. Yeah. She came alongside me because she loves me. Are you kidding me? She was married to a doctor before. She came <laughs> yeah. to a car salesman. Mm. Love me. Mm. And said, we're going to start this together. I'm going to do it with you. She came along wow. my side. Wow. And she said, I don't have any issues. These are yours, but I'm coming along. And she found out she had some stuff. Mm -hmm. She was comparing herself. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that she really had to look at. She actually did have some of her habits. Now. And she absolutely yeah. and came. And what I noticed wow. is God is so funny. I thought he was bringing me to celebrate recovery so I could change the cornerstone celebrate recovery world. It was about Mary. The women that admire Mary and look at her and, and have learned and grown in Celebrate Recovery because of her, it's, I can't even tell you how many women have been changed. Wow. And I realized, God, you are funny. Yeah, you yeah. brought me to bring her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you guys, just a couple of weeks ago, you were able to, part of that Celebrate Recovery, you, you did something that was was amazing, right? To get to experience and witness, right? What, what was it? Oh, that? yeah. We have... We do these leadership I saw it on meetings. The social media. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. And we do these leadership meetings at our home, and we still do them. We did them every week for a year, but we do them every month now. And I'll give Mary all the credit for this. She said, "Let's have Thanksgiving and let's have baptisms." Yeah. And we had three people get baptized in our hot tub. I yeah. got to lead that. Yep. And it's yeah. Again, me. Yeah. Come on, a yeah. wretch like me. Yeah. It's got to be God. It's, God's it's just favorite people to use, yeah. isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. You know, I heard someone once say that um, if you really, the, the people, if you look in history and in the Bible, the people that God uses in a powerful way are people that were crushed. Yeah. Amen. And and, and the crushing might be someone else doing yeah. it to us. A lot of times it's our own doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in fact, I've said before, I can actually sit down at a, if I'm, if, if we were going to sit down one-on-one -on -one at a meal mm -hmm. and you have a conversation with somebody for about 30 minutes, you can kind of tell if they've gone through their crushing yet. Yeah. Amen. Right? Because we'll all have them. Yeah. You live long enough. Yes. But you can tell if someone's gone yes. through their crushing. I think there's a it's very evident sitting here with you, Bart, that you've had a couple of crushings. Yeah. Even the the yeah. tears that have well, we're all wired a little yeah. differently, but I can just see your your gratitude yeah. toward God and where he's brought you and what yeah. he's brought you out of. And it, it you know, I heard Brett say this a lot, my friend Brett Hatchett, which has been who's been on your show. And it's about being obedient. Yeah. I hear the people that I know that aren't necessarily, I don't know if they're even believers, but they're talking about being obedient. And I know I would not be here and I wouldn't be anywhere if I wasn't obedient. Yeah. I was obedient to the book. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I was obedient to celebrate recovery. I didn't want to do that. I've been obedient to um, being the best I can be in my marriage. And I have slipped and slid and all that. But I know how important that is. There's two things that have happened in my life that are real evident. One is I hated addiction. When I hated the, the sexual integrity piece, just hated it with everything, I changed. It took a while, but I had to hate it. The same thing in terms of my behavior that might sab mm. sabotage, I have to hate it. When I hate the behavior, I'll do anything wow. possible to get to the other side of it. And that's yeah. where the growth has come from. One thing I want to just bring up, I live by what I call the laws of transformation. And the laws of transformation are number one, who am I? Knowing ourselves deeply. You mentioned that earlier. We've got to know what's written on that needle. Yeah. And we've got to know who we are and where we are. It's imperative. 
And I do that in my coaching. I start with that. Let's get to know who you are Hmm. deeply. I've spent a lifetime doing that. The next piece is what do we want? And I, I hope I'm saying, God, where you want me, right? The next piece too is why do we want it? And asking God, why, God, why do you want me there is okay. You might, we might not hear it, but Mm -hmm. it's okay to ask. And then the next part is what am I doing to get in the way? What am I doing to sabotage this? I have to know that. So where am I? What do I want? And I'm bringing God into all this. Why? And what am I doing to sabotage? But there's one scripture, a couple of scriptures that have, that really have, have been everything. Romans 12, two, we talked about, yeah. but Psalm 139, 22, 24, man, right? Search me, God, and know my heart. Yeah. And I love that scripture because what it forced me to do is, God, where am I with you? But just really God, where do you want me? Open, just completely open. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I want to, I want to have that relationship with God, and I'm believing that I do. I, I, I try to spend a lot of time with God. God, how am I doing? What am I doing here? Where do you want me? Well, what am I doing to get in the way of our relationship? Yeah, yeah. And I constantly want to ask God those questions. Yeah. Because this season, Pat, where I am. Who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not younger, I'm older. Yeah, who knows how long you have, how much runway, right? right? But we're, and we're all there. There's so much I want to accomplish, but I want, I just want to make sure it's what he wants me to accomplish. It's not boats and planes and cars, although it'd be nice, but yeah. that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it. It's what where he wants me to accomplish in this moment. But what I realized was, hey, the reason I didn't have that Tony Robbins success or you know, written 20 books it's because I wasn't ready for it, man. Yeah. If I had had that kind of praise, narcissistic Bart would not have been able to handle it. I yeah. would have died. I would yeah. have. I would have killed it. Yeah. And he's given me enough, <laughs> just enough, to use me in the way he needs to use me, without yeah. me flying off and going the other direction. Yeah. yeah. Bart, I tell you, just sitting here with you and and hearing you explain, first of all it's clear what a great coach you would be. You bring so much energy and passion. I mean, part of that passion is just your own life, right? How you've seen your own life transformed yeah. and you wanna see that in other people's lives. Yeah. In our last moments here though, in our last minutes here, the, the book, they can see it there, <laughs> but keep the change. Love the title of that. Using the 12 steps to become a better leader in every area of life. G- give me one example. Grab one of those 12 steps and talk about how does that help? Not just somebody in their business world, but in their personal life, how would that help? Because years ago, I thought a great sermon series at a church would be to actually preach through the 12 steps. I mean, it is a great, because they apply to every human being, not just someone with a chemical addiction. So so use an example, grab one of the, any one you want. And I will do a little plug for me. That's my vision that I believe God's taken me next year is to speak at churches and talk about the story, but also the 12 steps and how they come together in a road Beautiful. to walk side by side with him. I think it all go, always goes back very simply to step one. If you and I can't admit, yeah. if we're in denial, we're on that in denial, of course, it's not a river in Egypt. Yep. Yep. It, if we're in denial, if we don't see it, if we, if we don't, if we've got blind spots until we get through the clarity and admit we can't move to two, three, four, and all the way down the line. Yeah. And I think admission is everything. And I've prayed every day. It's the prayer. God, reveal my blind spots. Yeah. Reveal those things that get in my way of my relationship with you. Yeah. And when that happens, it just, it just, 
I get this feeling the spirits just envelop me, yeah. me if that's a word, Absolutely. and surrounding me and in me. And I'm, again, walking in that day by day, moment by moment. Now, let's be real. I'm a human. <laughs> I have a master's in stupidity and a doctor in dumb. So I tend to sometimes follow that. But here's the difference between then and now. I don't stay there. Yeah. Before, I'd stay for months and sometimes years. Now it's moments. And it's because of that relationship. I know exactly what to do in that moment. God, you revealed a blind spot. I've gone off the wrong way. Jesus, help me. Yep. And in that and moment, you know, I turn. And you know you're always running back to a God with open arms, right? Yes. Like, that's the beautiful oh thing about goodness. it. That was what helped me to learn to keep shorter accounts. That's what I tell people, similar to what you say. I go, I think the only difference between the younger Pat and the older Pat in some ways is I run to God a lot quicker than I used to when I made mistake, when I make mistakes because yeah. I still make them. But it was understanding I'm never running to a God who has his arms folded. It's just yes. waiting to yeah. to punish me. He's got his arms open wide yes. saying, welcome back, son. Yes. Right. Oh my and, gosh. and you've and you definitely learn that and understand yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. How do people get a hold of you? How do they connect with you? I would love, you know, again, you were talking about how you want to speak on stages. If people have uh, ways to leverage that because your story is a powerful story uh, with coaching, with the book. Tell us how to get it connected to you. Well, I've got BartonOllenberger.com. Also, JohnMaxwellGroup.com forward slash BartonOllenberger. That shows what I'm doing with them. To get the book, you go to KeepTheChangeBook.org. It is not available on the big A yet, but it will be on there soon. Okay. But right now it's keepthechangebook.org is where you get the book. I'm on Facebook at Bart Nolenberger. I'm on Instagram at Bart Nolenberger and on LinkedIn at Bart Nolenberger and YouTube on Bart do you, Nolenberger. Do you still do coaching? Like if yeah. people wanted to reach out? And yeah, do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is where I think I've got 16 coaching clients this month. And I, yes, I'm going to one right now. I do deep coaching with people. It's where my passion comes from. It's where the connection comes from. It's where God is using me. Yeah. I love doing coaching. I, I, I highly recommend coaching for that. I go, you know, some people are maybe dealing with some really, really traumatic, difficult yes. things. They need to go into deep therapy yes. and do that. But I say everybody should go find a coach yeah. of some yeah. kind. That, that yeah. it, it just going to, someone's going to help you get further in life faster than you might have on exactly. your own, right? Therapy is going backwards. A good therapist asks great yeah. questions, yeah. right? Yeah. A good coach does that too. And I teach coach uh, leaders how to be coaches. When you can ask questions, there's a wise saying that said, a man or woman convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. And when you and I direct somebody to do something, they're probably not getting it. But when we ask questions and they come from it, from their unconscious or conscious and come up with the answer themselves, then they can mm -hmm. own it. Yeah. And man, that's what I get to do for a living in coaching and what I get to do in recovery as well. So yeah. it's I'm, I'm absolutely a fan. It's, it's been talking about the, today and the future, not just the past. Yeah, yeah. that's so powerful. That if people are listening and watching this, they couldn't see me. I was smiling really big when you were just saying that because I always have carried around a little notebook that I take notes in. And I was thinking, man, if I spent much time with Bart, I'd be filling that notebook up a lot. You just <laughs> drop these little nuggets oh, of truth, man. a lot of them. So really valuable. I can tell that you'd be a great coach. Well, Bart, one of the fun ways that we finish every one of our podcasts is we do two truths and a lie. And it's ironic because we call this no gray areas. I'm asking you to lie. But <laughs> the audience has heard you for about 45 minutes to an hour now. Um, I've been listening to you. See if you can stump us and we'll get to know you a little bit better. So give us three statements. Two of them will be truths. One will be a lie. I got to guess the lie. Okay. So um, I was a, a used car salesman. 
for about uh, 20, in the automobile business for 40 years and a used car salesman and had my own used car dealership. And also, that's one statement. Um, I also have, between my wife and I, we've already mentioned it, we have 10 kids and we also have um, five grandkids. Also, I joined the John Maxwell team in 2013 and I've got, um, in, in, I'm an executive director with the John Maxwell team now and a disc behavior specialist as well as uh, get to speak all over about leadership. Okay. The last one's true because I read your bio. <laughs> I good. cheated on that one. It's got I cheated on that one. Fruit. I didn't know you did the disc assessment too, though. I mean, those are so, those personality, oh. it's so, so good. We started doing that with our kids when yes. they were in high school. It just yeah. helped them figure out like how, how when Who God, you? you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So start identifying how did God made you? So I, yeah. I, I highly recommend Amen. people. 100%. Grab numerous different personality yeah. pro and, and, and look into it. But yeah. you do that as well. Okay, yeah. so I got that one. <laughs> Your first one, um, I know you've been doing the car sales thing. I'm going to say the middle one's a lie because if you got 10 kids, you got to have more than five grandkids. Yeah, and, and there's a little truth to that. I might have brought that up earlier. But the reality is we've got, again, Mary has six, I have four, we have 10. And when we go out to dinner, there's 35 chairs that need to be at the table because of spouses and kiddies, kiddos. And so we, we actually are there. Um, one of Mary's daughters is having a baby. Should the, she, he, it's a he, should be here in January. And that'll give us 12. Congratulations. So we are more than blessed. Congratulations. Oh, I have my seventh grandchild coming in April. That's, so, well, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah. yeah Isn't it grandchildren? There's a whole nother level. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you can't explain to someone until they get there. Like no. there's something that it's no. one of the most beautiful and gifts from God in this it's, plant. It's fun to do it young, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I say that for you, not necessarily. <laughs> you know, me, but, no. Man, they keep no. you young. It's they it's, do. It's they a gift. Do. It's so beautiful. And yeah. I think I often tell people, I think one of the things that's beautiful about it is the things that I got so uptight and worried about as a parent. Yeah. After you live some years, you go, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. They're having yeah. a bad day. I have yeah. bad days. This yeah. is like, you know, God. they're not going to end up in prison because they didn't want to eat their meal tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, so interesting that God doesn't always do what we want. He does what he needs us to yes. do to grow us and to be who we need to be. Man, I never thought I would have 12 grandkids. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But as I said earlier, when I'm sitting in the backyard and look at the amazing grace, these aren't things I, I deserve. They're his amazing grace. Yeah. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. I would change nothing about my life. That's how I, I have a life of peace today. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Love your attitude of gratitude that just Love. oozes out of you, my friend. All right. Well, thank you, Bart, for being on here. Uh, appreciate what you're doing and the impact that you're making. The lives are being transformed. Likewise, so man. keep at it, my friend. You know what's so cool? We get to know each other. And you're going to be on my podcast, Keep the Change Too. Yeah. And I got the t I, I, I'm so glad we get to know each other. That's that's the gift of doing yeah. these, isn't yeah. it? It is. Deeply. It is. Good. Thank you, Thank you, Bart. Appreciate you. As we wrap up this profoundly inspiring episode with Bart, we hope you are reminded that transformation is a journey, not a destination. And Bart's story is a testament to the strength that lies within us to overcome even the darkest of challenges. Thank you for joining us today on the No Gray Areas podcast. If you found this episode moving, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Stay tuned for more enriching conversations that challenge, inspire, and uplift. See you next time. No gray areas.